Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy, and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. What's up, everybody? I am recording this particular episode in bed (laughs) in my apartment in Mexico City, my Airbnb, where I've been for a couple weeks now, and I'm absolutely loving it. It's just just really waking up some things in me that have been asleep for a little bit. Um, The past six months have been super focused on expanding my business and focusing on money mindset and client creation and yeah I've just like been in a little cave doing that and I've arrived here with the intention of connecting to pleasure again and fun and dating and feeling flirty and sexy again and connecting to art and meeting people and yeah it's just like this lust for life has been awakened again here so very happy for that. I have so much to share with you guys. So my podcast editor, Damon, he made a request that I talk about releasing resentments and anger in relationships and how to do the healing afterwards. So I think that's a good place to start because it very much connects to a lot of things that I want to share on. So I'll start there. I think the best place to start when having a conversation about this is that we are never reacting to what's happening. We're reacting to our perception or our interpretation of what's happening. It's like they say, like, you're never really interact. Like, you never really know people. You just know yourself through them or something like that. Like, you're just seeing yourself in them. So we never really get to know anyone. And that's because we interact with the world through our perception. We're constantly adding meaning, interpreting, because that's what the mind does. And the mind is there to protect us. That's, you know... The spiritual teachers, the guides, that's where they say the ego lives. And the ego was formed to protect us when we were little, when we learned what's right and what's wrong and how to be and how not to be. And this behavior, this pattern of making interpretations starts from when we're very young and mom and dad do something and we make it mean something And we make it mean something about ourselves and we develop a way of being because of that. So, for example, let's say you're a little kid. um, And this happens a lot with my clients of, you know, little girl gets told to stop crying or get over it or stop making such a big deal. Stop being a drama queen. Um, You're going to be okay. Like there's kind of a wide range of like parents who fully did not accept their kids crying or parents who just really wanted to make their kids happy and and didn't want to see their their kids sad. And so in that moment, there's also a wide range of interpretations, but I would say the common denominator from what I hear from my clients is making it mean um, my feelings aren't okay or it's not okay to cry, it's not okay to share my anger, it's not okay to share my sadness. I'm not accepted the way that I am because if a part of us isn't accepted, like if our anger or our sadness isn't accepted, 
that's a part of us. So the ego, the mind interprets that as, well, if a part of me isn't okay with me, if a part of me isn't okay, then all of me isn't okay. Because if mom and dad told me to stop crying, that means I'm not okay. Like I'm, I'm rejected. I'm not accepted. And from there, everybody develops their own way of dealing with that. You know, some, some people remember going to the room and crying and stuffing it in. Or some people remember showing toughness. Like, for example, for me growing up, I remember the, the moments that my dad told me to stop crying or, like, raised his voice and just didn't have the patience to hear me cry or get angry. And so I, that was the moment that I decided I'm never going to let him see my tears or um, I'm never going to let him see my weakness. And therefore never going to let any man see my weakness. It's through these interpretations and meanings that we make that we shape who we are and we shape our personality. And when we do the personal work, when we do the inner inner work, we go back to these places and really question the interpretations that we made, that we made in order to protect ourselves um, because we wanted to not feel pain. So if mom or dad are upset at me for crying, then I'm going to stop crying so that they love me and so that I'm okay, so that I ensure my survival. So my teacher, Gabor Mate, you, might, you guys might have heard me speak about him. That's what he and many other teachers define as trauma. And it's not what happened to us, but what happened inside us as a result of what happened to us. And what happened inside us is the abandonment of ourself, the abandonment of this wholeness. So the wholeness being the dark, the light, the good, the, the bad, the crying and the laughing and all of these sides of ourselves. It's like in order to deal with what was happening, we suppress or we abandon this natural part of ourselves in order to survive, in order to be okay. So when we go back and revisit these stories, we get to see, okay, mom told me to stop being a drama queen and I made it mean that something's wrong with me and that I'm not good enough and that it's not okay for me to express my feelings. And a different meaning, a different perspective on that is actually that she didn't have any approval for herself expressing her feelings or she just didn't know she didn't have the tools to really hold me and listen to me. Or she thought that the best parenting that she could do was to, you know, not have me complain. Like she herself was someone that was taught that it's better to be positive and happy and it's not okay to complain because then you're ungrateful. So maybe her way of loving me, her way of, of being the best mom that she could be was to tell me to stop being a drama queen. There's so many thousands of meanings that that we make and we can make. And our mind sort of has this tendency of making the worst one out of all. We did back then. We still do now. It's like the tendency of our minds for some reason. And what's really empowering is to own and take personal responsibility in saying, that was me who created that meaning. It might not have felt good to receive those words. It might have made me really sad or angry. But the person who made the meaning that my feelings aren't okay or that I'm not okay was me. And I did that. And I've developed 
these ways of being to protect myself from feeling that pain my whole life. Like I've, I've maybe I've stayed quiet or I've been people pleasing. Um, or like I said, for me, I always, you know, wanted to show a tough face, wanted to show that people didn't bother me, wanted to show that I wasn't sensitive because of, you know, what I decided around my dad that I didn't want to show him my weakness because I didn't want to give him my power and meet ourselves with compassion and seeing, yeah, this, this way of being that I've created out of that has, has served me this far. It's helped me survive. And what Gabor Mate says is like, and that's like a stupid friend. Like it has no emotional intelligence. It was created at a time when you were very little and it doesn't understand that it doesn't actually serve you anymore to hold your voice back or to show the tough face or to act like you don't care because the real healing, the real empowerment comes from feeling our feelings, living in our authenticity and not in these masks and these protective ways that we've developed. Really important, again, to have compassion and to really meet these parts with approval of seeing like, okay, this is a way that I've survived and survival, like this was gotten me here. When it comes to dealing with conflict in a relationship and anger and resentment, the first thing to, to bring into the space is the recognition and awareness that we're always reacting to our perception of the situation, not really what's happening. When we get triggered, especially in relationship, it's triggering old wounds and what's hysterical is historical. So whenever we have these big reactions, whenever we're really triggered, we're really reacting to the past. We're not really reacting to the present. It's like if I'm in a relationship and my partner says they're really tired and they're not open to having a conversation, it might trigger the part of me that feels like I'm not worthy of being heard or like, my feelings don't matter because of how I felt when I was little in that, you know, it felt weak to admit, admit these things and it felt like no one was really going to care or understand. And so it was much easier to swallow my pain um, because I, I used to think like, well, what difference will it make if I tell you what's, what's going on? That was very, it's funny now even talking about it, I didn't even remember that it, that was a story for me, but I very much had that. Like I really valued being powerful and seeing seeming like I didn't care like nothing bothered me because to me that was strong and admitting that something bothered me was like what's the point people don't even care so I'd rather just be strong instead of be pathetic <laughs> and then I learned how it's not about them hearing it's about me sharing and me feeling me giving myself the value of my feelings and sharing the important piece there is that our triggers are ours and what's coming up for us is because of old wounds and interpretations that we're making in the moment. So you and only you are responsible for how you feel and you and only you are responsible for your needs. The more that you can see it from this perspective and less that your partner is doing something to you, the more empowered you can feel and less of a victim. And then you can communicate from a place of just sharing what's coming up for you as opposed to blaming your partner, pointing fingers at your partner and saying all the things that they're doing wrong. 
So what that looks like in conflict, in conflict, I recently had an experience with my mom where she couldn't be there for me for something that she said she would and that I needed her to. And when she told me that she couldn't be there, she she said it in very few words. She was like, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, she didn't even say sorry. She was just like, I can't do this for you. <laughs> and when I received it, I noticed how my mind went to, oh my gosh, she's being so cold and she doesn't care and she's being so insensitive. And so I noticed the meanings that I was that I was giving, right? It was like all the judgments that I was making about it, all the interpretations of the all the assumptions, like assuming that she doesn't care or assuming that um whatever, that you know, that she that she isn't being kind. So owning that, owning that those are my interpretations, I then shared with her, listen, this is what this is what I'm seeing. I'm noticing that the way that you express, I'm perceiving it to be really cold and really insensitive and and I know that I I I'd normally resent you, resent you for that, and I don't want to. So I want to name that, and also ask you what's going on with you. What's 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 really happening for you? What do you really feel? I'd really like to feel you. It'd make me feel a lot better, and more connected, and more compassionate. So she then shared her reasons of why she said she said things the way that she did, and what was there for her was that she didn't want to burden me with her feelings of sadness or guilt or disappointment and herself. She didn't want to put more on my plate with all, all the things that I was already dealing with in the moment. And she genuinely felt so bad. So it was such a beautiful experience where I was able to name from an outside perspective. It's like I'm looking at myself, right? And I'm noticing, oh, wow look at where my brain's going, look at the interpretations that it's making. And I'm meeting that with curiosity and and not taking it as the full truth because it's just my interpretation. It's just the lenses that I'm wearing and sharing that with her, admitting, hey, here are all the meanings and interpretations that I'm making. And then with that admission and vulnerability and openness, without any judgment, without any pointing fingers, receiving her openness and vulnerability and sharing with me what was really going on, right? Like proving all of my perceptions wrong, basically. Like, I mean, it's valid that I interpreted that, right? But there wasn't really any accuracy in it. I I say this story to share how in moments of conflict or really anything, especially when it comes to resentments, is in noticing for yourself all the meanings that you make about what your partner's doing and all the ways you think they should be, all the things that they do that hurt you, and noticing what do you make it mean. If they are looking at their phone while you're talking, are you making it mean that they don't care about what you're saying? If they didn't give you a present on your birthday, are you making it mean that they don't value you enough? If they didn't wash the dishes, are you making it mean that they're leaving everything up to you and they don't take any responsibility and they're lazy and they don't want to help. Most of the time, that's what causes all of 
the resentment and all of the, you know, judgment and separation that we feel towards someone else, especially our partners, because we're always just making these meanings that we're not communicating. Want to get into how we're not communicating our needs at all or our desires, you know? Most of the time we're, we make all these meanings and we make all these judgments in order to protect ourselves, right? Or in order to be right. It's like, oh, they didn't wash the dishes, so I get to be right about how they don't care or they're not good enough for me. They don't give me words of affirmation, so then I get to be the victim, and I get to feel sorry for myself and have a pity party for myself. Or I get to push them away. Basically all these things that are completely the opposite of expressing your needs and expressing what's going on with you. Expressing your interpretations, expressing your feelings. Because none of us are mind readers. We all have very different needs. We're all living in our little heads, dealing with so many different problems. So... We can't really know what the other person needs or feels. It's a total myth that the other person should know or or that we all have the same way of caring, you know? I mean, take love languages, for example. You know, so many people get offended that they're not hearing enough words of affirmation or that they're not getting gifts or acts of service, you know? Like, I'm not the best giver of acts of service and there's people in my life that are like my best friend and um it really triggers her when I don't think of you know doing things for her but I'll give her all the words of affirmation I love giving gifts and for some people that doesn't really matter so that's a really great example of how we all express love differently and so you might think oh if they really loved me they would do this but that really might not be the case. They have, they might have a totally different way of showing you love. And if they don't know what matters to you, then how could they possibly know to, to give that to you? That's the first piece that I'll say. That in conflict or whenever, whenever you feel any sort of distance or anger or resentment towards your partner, really notice what are those meanings that you're making. Where are you making them wrong? And meeting those um, interpretations with curiosity and seeing, you know, how, how, are, how is it serving you to think this way? And then sharing it with them. Sharing, hey, look, I, I, I got to tell you something. I'm making all these meanings about the things that you're doing. And here's what I need and I desire from you. Are you available for that? Because this doesn't feel good and that doesn't feel good and this would feel better. And yeah, checking in with your partner and seeing if they're, if they're willing. All from a place of personal responsibility. Yeah, and really seeing like, this is my stuff. Whenever your partner does something that makes you feel bad, that makes you feel undesirable, or that makes you feel lonely or abandoned, it's just waking up a very old wound that's really, really old from a time when you were a baby or a toddler where this feeling was born the feeling of not being worthy or not being loved or not being enough or or feeling alone and so this person isn't causing this in you it's triggering it in you and you get to meet it with love and talk about it so that it doesn't keep perpetuating and keep controlling your life and that is such a 
good thing to bring to a therapist or a coach to talk about so that someone holds you in all of the wounding and the pain that comes up because relationships are wonderful and they also, yeah, they trigger those core wounds that are asked to be looked at and for us to shine a light on them so that we can come back to that self-love and that wholeness. So the next thing that I want to talk about, um, I've talked about in, in a couple of different episodes, and that's how important it is to share with our with each other how we're feeling without making each other wrong. And I say that and I also want to add how powerful it is to name the part of you that wants to make that person wrong. Because that, that part of us is, is, you know, is there like all the time. <laughs> There's that part of us that wants to make the other wrong, that wants to judge them, that wants to blame them. And when we name that part as the observer, again, not identifying with it, but remembering that we are whole, we are loving, we are connected to spirit, and we're not really the fear or the judgment or the make wrong, right? We're actually, I would like to think, like we're there's this part of us that's actually connected to unconditional love and connected to presence and divinity. And so when we name, hey, there's this part of me that wants to make you wrong, it's like we speak from the part of us that is unconditional love and we're just naming oh, look, here's what my ego is doing right now. And I know that it's just my ego and I know that I'm doing it so that I could feel better and so that I could feel in control and so that I could be right and you could be wrong. And it's really taking control of me right now. It's really present for me. The moment that we name that, it loses power over us. It's like the, you know, the saying, feel it to heal it, name it to tame it. So it's very different to say there's a part of me that wants to make you wrong than saying you're wrong. Again, we are taking personal responsibility and ownership for our experience and really naming like I'm not right, you're not right, I'm not wrong, you're not wrong. There's just a part of me that wants to make you wrong and there's a part of me that's protecting me by judging you and by pushing you away. And just like any other part of us, it has really good intentions. Like it just wants to protect you. And if you can meet that part with that acceptance of like, oh yeah, the part of me that wants to make you wrong and judge you is just trying to protect you. I mean, it's just trying to protect me. Then it feels less wrong to name. The more approval that you can have for it, the less resistance you're going to have to sharing it because you can meet that part with a lot with a lot of love and see okay, I'm just naming that this is my tendency to make you wrong so that I feel better, so that I feel safe. Going back to sharing the feelings, what can be really helpful in conflict is to talk about how you're feeling and talk about your perceptions, right? And and, and your experience, anything that's making you angry, anything that's making you sad, your complaints, your desires, and to ask for how you want to be met while speaking, how you want to be listened to. And it's important for the both of you to establish that 
there's no one that's right or wrong and there's no one to fix. It's just a space to share your experience and share your truth and be met with just listening and then do the same for the other person. Listening to them and whatever comes up for them. Maybe they even get triggered by what you said and to just hold space for that too and not try to fix it or get rid of it or see it as wrong because what I've learned from my incredible teachers and I learned this a lot at at Landmark which some of you are familiar with is that when we are looking to be right in conflict or in a relationship what we're really looking for is a like power and to feel good and to get validation and love and that's um the root of a lot of issues that it's like this fight for who was right and who was wrong and why can't he admit that he was wrong and why won't she tell me that that I was right and and so that's um that reminds me of this phrase that's you either want to connect or you want to be right and and like you can't have both you can only have one and so the space of right is um you know trying to prove that you're right and it creates this separation as opposed to connection just comes from sharing how we feel and being met with love and acceptance in that and that's what I think and what I've seen is what we're really, really looking for. And it's exactly what we didn't get from our parents. We didn't, most of us weren't really met with just a parent who was listening to us and just said, I, I feel you, thank you for sharing. So what can be really powerful in conflict um, and easier said than done, I'm fully saying that it's easier said than done, is to hear what someone you know what's coming up for someone and to meet them with just gratitude and acceptance and saying thank you so much for sharing your experience and taking that as a as just an opportunity to connect and create intimacy of you know sharing your truths and sharing your feelings not needing to fix each other's experiences or defend yourself because in the end of the day, we all have our own realities, you know? And so if someone's telling you, you know, you didn't look at me while I was telling you how sad I was and it made me feel really terrible and you go on and defend yourself and you're like, well, I didn't mean that and and it, it it's not just with you that I do that or I really was listening, then you're invalidating the person's feelings you're invalidating their experience and you're basically saying they shouldn't feel upset right so you're like invalidating their upset which is exactly what happened to many of us when we were kids that we were upset and our parents told us to stop being upset so when you listen to someone share you know their experience their complaints their rage their sadness and you let them have those feelings, you're giving them an opportunity to feel their feelings and to not reject them and to feel like it's okay and that they can be met with acceptance and that there's space for them to feel their feelings. And this one definitely takes practice because when we hear 
something that we did and that causes someone else's pain, you know, like it's, that's not nice to hear. That's not, it doesn't feel good to hear. And that's exactly what we want to avoid feeling when we defend ourselves. It's our own discomfort. It's our own sense of, oh no, now I feel like a terrible person and I don't want them to feel like a ter- like I'm a terrible person if, if, they, if they think what they think. There's been so many times, oof, so many times when I've had someone share with me how something made them feel that I did and I, you know, really did not intend to make them feel bad and I hear the voice inside of me that really wants to defend myself and I'm, I'm like, they're there, you know, like settle down, it's okay. Because it feels, oh my gosh, it feels like life or death. Like, if I don't defend myself, then, like, I'm going to (laughs) explode. They're going to think I'm terrible. But it's not about me. It's about their feelings. And their feelings are so valid. And it's their interpretations. So if you hear someone, you know, say something that triggers you, I would welcome you to share that and say, wow, it makes me feel really sad to hear you say that or it makes me angry to hear you say that or I'm feeling triggered and hearing you say that and thank you so much for sharing and it's always really important to make sure that you're available to have the conversation and that the other person's available to have the com- the, the conversation I was speaking to a client this week about how we can really look at everything as sex like You know, there's so many actions that are like penetrating and so many that are receiving the penetration. (laughs) And if you think about giving feedback or telling someone a complaint or something that doesn't feel good, it can be really jarring to just receive, right, without any consent or without permission because that's like a penetrative force. And the same way that In sex, you know, we need consent and we need to um, make sure that both parties are available for that. And the same thing goes with actions that are penetrative. And especially when it comes to something so triggering and high emotional, it helps to check in with someone and say, hey, I really want to share something that's come up for me or I really want to share a trigger. Are you available for that? Honoring if they say no. And requesting to set up a different time when they may be available something that i learned in a course called authentic relating how important it is for us to notice we know what state someone's in because if someone's in a very very highly emotional state or in a very defensive mode then that's really not going to be the space where someone's available to hear something so it's important for us to also be conscious of where the other person's at and wait for a moment where the person isn't in the high emotional state or where you yourself maybe aren't in the high emotional state to have a conversation and reveal the resentments or the things that don't feel good for you. <sighs> so these, all these things, you might listen to them and hear and, and think like, okay, tonight, like how am I going to apply all these tools and be civilized when I'm super triggered or feeling really, really angry. And um, I think it's really, of course, normal and natural that in moments of conflict, especially with our loved ones, we get overtaken by emotion. And from what I've learned in, in the past years is 
how different it is to express the rage and the anger as a form of releasing it as opposed to throwing it at someone, like directing it towards somebody and using it to blame them or make them wrong. So again, it comes back to that personal responsibility of saying, oh my gosh, you made me so angry when you did this, or I felt so sad when you did that, or or um, it didn't feel good when you did this, as opposed to funneling that anger through attacking someone and name-calling them and making them wrong, but really instead naming how you're feeling and what are what what did they do and and what did that wake up in you what are the feelings that are there for you it's even very different in a heated moment to growl or like hit a pillow or murmur to yourself like because it's just energy that wants to express that wants to be expressed out of you wants to come out rather than again directing it towards someone so it's really helpful to own these feelings inside you as okay this is this is just energy moving through me that really wants to come out and i can let it out for it to be released and held and loved and given space and not to direct it towards you and dump it on you and use it to harm you it's very very different to tell someone it made me really fucking angry that you did that than saying you're an asshole for doing that so it's very different to name your feelings about something than point at someone and say what they did wrong and we're just so used to living in that wrong right it just feels so much safer and more empowering to the ego to point the fingers and name what the person did wrong when really what's there our feelings that we're just really not used to connecting to and expressing. The more that we can express our feelings and our actual feelings, right? Because a lot of times we then say, like, I feel like you don't listen to me. I feel like you don't care. And those aren't really feelings. Those are perceptions. The feeling there is I feel sad when I tell you to help me and then you never do. So it's naming the feelings and naming, again, the meaning or the observation, right? The, the what's happening. Personally, I didn't really think my feelings mattered that much. I didn't really realize that if I told someone how something made me feel that they were going to care to change. So I didn't really share that. And so it's been really healing for me to share the feelings and to retrain and reprogram the part of me that tells me that it's not okay to do that. The part of me that has said, what's the point of sharing your feelings? Nothing's going to change. And now I get to see, oh, when I share my feelings, I actually value myself and I feel a release and I get to step into vulnerability and it's not so much about somebody changing but more about me owning how I feel because we're gonna suffer a lot if we think that 
we're going to feel be- we're going to feel better if people just change that is completely externalizing our power and our pleasure and our freedom and peace of mind cuz all of the approval that we're seeking from other people and all the ways that we want them to be so that we feel better is exactly what we get to give ourselves when we give space to these parts of ourselves to speak when we get to name the the yucky parts the shame the anger the sadness when we give voice to those parts it is such a big act of self-love that in itself is super healing lastly to answer demon's question of how to heal afterwards i would say to you know after having this conversation of revealing the resentments and revealing you know all the things that are there you know it's really like if you can share what you think would end the relationship then you know you've shared all the way right you've really excavated and cleaned out everything that's in the space the elephant in the room so once you share that you could you know take a break or in the moment see okay where do we take it from here like what do you need how can I support you in this? What desires do you have? What do you, what do you, what do you want to be held in or held accountable in? Or what can we work on? What can we each take personal responsibility for? And sometimes there won't be any of that at all. You know, sometimes like my friend Taylor and I, you know, my business partner and best friend, we ran a retreat and she was telling me how you know, when I asked her questions of like how to do this, where to find that, she immediately gets overwhelmed with like pressure and feeling like she has to do it all herself. And these thoughts would run through her mind of fear, like, what if I do have to do this all myself and I can't rely on Tanai? And why doesn't she know these answers herself, et cetera, you know? While for me, a lot of times it just comes from my own insecurity of thinking I like she knows better. And a lot of times I ask her for her opinion just because I don't want her to feel like I'm not considering her opinion. And there's nothing to be done there. She just needed to name that. She just said, I just want to name that every time you ask me for something, I get triggered and I know it's just my meaning and interpretation. And just by naming that, it was healing enough and it was really healing for me to hear because I got to see for myself where I was giving her more power and where I was thinking I can't figure this out on my own I have to ask Taylor she's smarter so it actually invited me to get a little bit uncomfortable and just do things and find the answers myself um so it was really awesome because it was an opportunity to believe in myself anyway I hope that these ramblings were helpful (laughs) as I share them from my bed. And just remember, everyone, how important it is to have these conversations as being part of the same team and being committed to the same goal, which is love and connection and acceptance. Because a lot of times we come at these things like a battle, like we're not on the same team and like we need to protect ourselves from each other. So I invite you to drop the defenses and meet the conversation um, in the most humble way, in a most humiliating way, 
not seeking to be right, um, but more looking for connection and self-expression and compassion and permission and all the beautiful things that come when we can allow ourselves to be messy in conflict and open our hearts, feel the feelings. So I will sign off from here. If you guys have any questions about this or if anything was unclear, then feel free to shoot me a DM on Instagram and I'd be happy to answer any and all questions. See you next week. Hey you, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Commitment Phobe. If you like what you heard, make sure to share with your friends, your lovers, your ex-lovers, anyone that you think could benefit from having a conversation like this one. And it would be super helpful if you subscribed and left a five-star rating on iTunes to make sure that this podcast gets spread around to as many listeners as possible and we can start changing the conversation that we have around intimacy and relationships. If you want to find out more information about what I do as a women's coach and some of my other projects that I'm working on, you can find my information in the bio of this episode or you can reach out to me directly on Instagram and shoot me any questions that you have. See you next time.